Hey everyone, it's Tim, and welcome to the fifth episode of the official Harmonix Rock Band podcast. Today we have some really interesting content. We have the third episode of Social that features uh, Helen, the Hellion McWilliams. In it, Helen talks about her HMX band, you all know and love, The Giant Boston. We have a new segment this week called So You Want to Be a Game Developer, where we talk to people in the company about how they got into the game industry and tips they have for aspiring game developers. In this podcast, I talked to Keith Smith from Anarchy Club about all the cool stuff on his desk here at Harmonix. And last but not least, we have another wonderful and fantastic DLC roundtable. Friends in Formland, this is HMX Thrasher, and it's time for another episode of our fun, lovely, silly segment called... Social! Today, we have a very special episode of Social, and I know a lot of you out there in Formland will be very happy to hear this one. I am chatting with the Hellion herself, Ms. Helen McWilliams of Vagiant Boston fame, and we are going to talk about all the awesomeness that goes into planning a CD release party and having a CD release show and why that's awesome, and talk about the new Vagiant Boston record. And Tim is here, too, to make sure we don't say bad words like fract <laughs> or f- <laughs> or bat <laughs> or gazebo. So, I don't know, Helen, why don't you just tell us about the new record? Well, we're really gazebo about it. <laughs> Thanks for having me, by the way. This is really exciting. The new record is called Trash Candy, which we could justify with all like, oh, we're trashy, but uh, we like candy. But really, we just picked two words out of a hat, and then we wrote a song about it. Um, And then we named the album that. (laughs) Um, And yeah, it's good. I've gone through several bassists, but now we're set. We like our current bassist a lot. She's awesome, and uh, everybody got a lot better at not being terrible at their instruments. Yeah, I was actually going to ask you, on the record itself, I know Julie two times plays with you now at the show, but who played on the album tracks? It's half and half. Uh, like the f- I think four of them were our last bassist, Ivana Rock, who is awesome. We love her, but um, she got sick of our bad and just we're totally ridiculous we're like an impossible band to deal with so um she she just uh she was playing with another band and uh, got tired of us but but we love her and she's great and then so yeah then we, we found julie who's basically like the exact same person because i guess all bassists are pretty similar and she's she puts up with us right now we're really hoping she sticks it out because we love her um so she plays the other half it's fine you can like listen to them and see if you can tell the difference in basis so this is off topic, but I understand you haven't gotten Julie two times a copy of Rock Band yet. Wow. I, I don't think anyone in my band has a copy of Rock Band, yeah, except me. <laughs> yeah, well, I just, I'm trying to get them at least to have consoles. Lauren does now, low rec, and she's pretty heavily into Left 4 Dead. So I gave her a copy of Rock Band 1, but I don't think she's playing it. 
And then, yeah, Smokey and Julie. I don't, th I don't know, know if Julie has consoles. Smokey has been talking a lot about getting a 360, but mostly because I talk about Fallout so much at practice that now they just want to play that. But yeah, I'll get them to play. They should try it. Although the last time Lauren tried, she was really mad because she was doing bad and then she threw her drumsticks and they hit me in the head. So I might be just trying to avoid that from happening again. Depeche Mode is in Left 4 Dead 2. Does that mean Vagiant is in Left 4 Dead 3? Oh, Vagiant Boston, you mean? Um, that would rule so much. I would write so many zo songs about zombies. I can't even tell you. I mean, one, there's a song on our new album about Karate Kid. So if they ever make another Karate Kid, we are set. Or a Karate Kid game. I'm just saying, you know, that would be pretty great. That was um, Die Die Cobra Kai. It was one of my favorite songs that you played at the show because I was like, oh, this is new and I know all the words already. This is excellent. So <laughs> let's talk about your CD release party a little bit. Uh, I guess for people out in Formland who have followed your uh, postings in 52 Weeks to Rock, what makes a CD release show a CD release show? We sell the CD. <laughs> <laughs> um, and we, Lauren put together the show, which was really fun. So we got to like kind of pick some bands we wanted to play with, bands we'd played with before, like Razors in the Night, who we play with a lot because they're, you know, like our brothers. And then... Uh, planetoid face melter who we never played with and they were crazy and really in character like their whole thing was that they're aliens so when I was getting off stage and when they were getting on stage they were like you are great you are the only earthling that we like and I was like okay cool do you need any of these amps to go and they were like that would be most wonderful if you could move them and I was like you dudes listen I'm really sweaty let's just drop it for a second but they didn't, which is cool. Um, and then Ten of Fly Vipers, who's also good friends of ours, and they were great. So we put it together, and then we sold merch. We had a merch boy. That was fun. From the forums. Yay! Yay! So what can uh, longtime fans of a giant Boston expect uh, from Trash Candy? What... Uh, is there sort of an evolution in the sound of Giant Boston? We're definitely better at playing instruments now. We, I think, I don't remember exactly, but, you know, we played our first show, like, two months after we all started playing instruments. So we awesome. didn't have a lot of time to, like, get good. So our first record was, a lot of it was production magic from uh, Richard Marr, who produced, who, produces, who produced both our records, and we love him. But now this time we were doing, we actually can play decently, sort of. I don't want to sound all braggy, but like, <laughs> I'm not the worst rhythm guitarist on the planet anymore. Some, if you like Seven, there's like another good old sappy song about taking care of your friends. And I, I wrote a song about, you know, if you have a friend who's in a bad relationship and you should just kill the other person, then that would solve a lot of problems. Um, but then there's also, and like, that's my sappy song. I like that, by the way. Um, and then, you know, but there's like, and then there's like our ridiculous, like wildly offensive songs. So it's real classy. It's a class act. It's definitely one you want to buy your grandma. Do you have a, do you have a favorite track on Trash Candy? I do think the Karate Kid song is probably my favorite. Although I like the title track a lot too. But that's because I get to play a solo in it, like a, for a second. There's like a little sexy breakdown part. And the girls were in the room when I was doing vocals, and they were like, do sexy noises, like make sex noises over this part. And so like for a second, it was kind of cool, but then 
I just didn't know. It was horrible. So it kind of was like, oh, uh, uh, and then I just go, I don't know what sex noises sound like. And then we really liked it, so we kept it on the record. So I don't know if people will, know, will tell that that's what I'm saying. Was that the first track that you guys played at the show the other night? I think it was like the second to last. But the first one is, is about how I wanted boys to buy me stuff for no reason. Yay. It's called Sugar Daddy. I really liked uh, Trash Candy when I first heard it because it kind of it reminded me of like if the Beastie Boys in the 80s had actually had Joan Jett and the Blackhearts playing behind them and they'd put a song together, it would be that fun, like, that's not how I'm going to live, but, like, with the more, like, uh, feminine edge to it. I don't know. Yeah, I get really excited when... I've never had a Beastie Boys comparison. I approve of it. We get really excited whenever we get compared to anything that doesn't have women in it because mostly it's like, you are good. You are like Courtney Love. And I'm like, yes, I am blonde and I play guitar. (laughs) I keep saying, like, one day we're going to get one. Like, usually, like, if we get it, we'll get the cross, which is okay. You know, it'll be like, they are like the Ramones in June Jet, which is awesome. I have no complaints about that. But one day I just hope where they're like, you are you play guitar like the dude in Stiff Little Fingers. So, um, so following your amazing CD release show, which was packed to the gills and really awesome and really loud, I, I brought my friend Dan to it, and I felt like I was going to be all cool, like, oh, yeah. Helen is from my work, and this is her band, and I'm going to pay for your ticket to the show. And we got there, and he had tattooed most of the people in the crowd and knew, like, half the people in the other bands and knew everyone who worked at Great Scott and got in for free. And I was like, fart, this is my chance to be cool in front of my cooler friend, and I failed miserably. That happens to me all the time because my drummer is pretty much the most popular person on earth. (laughs) So everywhere, and her boyfriend is like the mayor of Austin. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah. everywhere we go, it's like they know everyone. And then I have to be like the lame, like awkward person. Like we went out to some bar and they knew some woman there and she bought us. Like I was trying to be all cool and buy like a round of expensive drinks and then she paid for it. And then I had to have the like, oh, thanks. I don't know you. I think you just bought my drink. Blah. Yeah. I'm totally, <laughs> totally lame in comparison to the rest of my band. So. At least I have the forums. Most people don't know who they are on the forums. I guess, what's next for Vagiant Boston? Well, we're hoping that we can pay back our lawyer, which would be great, uh, who we love. We're going to be doing, hopefully we're going to go back on tour next year if the album does at all well. And yeah, we're going to be, we're playing in Northampton soon, and we're going to be playing ABC No, no Rio in New York in December, and... Well, I'm, I'm in the uh, harmonics weight loss contest right now, which... So I was going to say that we're just going to keep eating chicken wings and drinking 40s, but I'll probably be drinking, like, vodka sodas and eating <laughs> celery. And, oh, really quick, where can people get trash candy? That's important. Uh, soon you'll be able to get it on iTunes and the digital sites, but currently you can get it at vagiantboston.com, and then I'll write you a personal handwritten note because we don't really get that many orders, so I can do stuff like that. And I would also say to people who are interested in Razors in the Night that they should order the split 7-inch you guys did with them, because Razors in the Night are really loud and excellent and fun. And scary.
So, you want to be a game developer. Here today with me is... Casey Malone. And Casey, what do you do here at Harmonix? I'm one of the designers. Ooh la la. When you were a little kid, did you know you wanted to be a game designer when you grew up? Uh, when I was a little kid, I wanted to be a Ghostbuster when I grew up. So now I didn't know I'd be making video games. Is, um, is your spot at Harmonix your first job in the industry? Uh, it's my first job as a designer in the industry. My first job in the industry was actually at uh, what was then Irrational Games. I was a, a QA tester on Bioshock. But funnily enough, I got that job through um, Helen McWilliams, who's uh, one of the awesome writers here at Harmonix. She was the, a producer at the time, I think. Very cool. So let's talk about um, how did you get your first gig at Irrational? And then from there, how did you come to Harmonix? So the, the, the short story about how I got into, the, into video games is that I very politely begged for a job until someone gave me one. The longer story is that I worked uh, in retail for a very long time. I worked at GameStop, Best Buy, Blockbuster, you name it. And I was a huge, huge fan of Harmonix games. And so a couple of years ago, we were having a really big release, and I decided to have a tournament at the Best Buy I was working at where people could come and play the games and uh, I called up Harmonix because I heard they were local and I just invited anyone um, who wanted to come down to come to the tournament and check out everyone just like really loving our games and so Helen McWilliams and Daniel Sussman came down and checked it out they were totally awesome they brought a bunch of t-shirts um, and like stickers and posters to give away and all the fans went nuts and they totally loved that and I just talked to them for a while and uh, Helen was nice enough to give me her email address and pass it on to uh, a bunch of guys who were in charge of QA teams Luke Jacobs here at Harmonix who's now the director of QA and um, Joseph Falstick who is I believe an associate producer or producer at 2k now he's still over there and uh, they were nice enough to give me a shot in QA, and that's how I got into the games industry. Very nice. So aside from beg, borrow, plead, and throw tournaments, what recommendations do you have for aspiring, not just people aspiring to get into the industry, you know, kids aspiring to be in QA, but uh, for aspiring designers in particular, what kind of things do you have to say to them? The biggest thing you can do if you want to make games is, in all seriousness, just make some games. Um, and it doesn't have to be like a whole game. You don't have to have a $3 million budget. It doesn't have to look like the Beatles rock band. But if you just make like a little flash game, if you um, start authoring some songs for Rock Band Network, or like there are a ton of games that have awesome creators, like level creators, stuff like Little Big Planet, um, Neverwinter Nights is an older one that has like a really great creator. If you just get in there and find out what it's like to make something from start to finish and um, have that to show to people when you're looking for a job, you're going to be in much better shape. You're going to know what you're talking about. People are going to be able to see your stuff. And it, like you're going to know if it's really what you want to do and if you really get the same like thrill out of it that we do. Um, so that's what I would say. Just, just make some games. Cool. And then one last question really quick. Let's just talk about your jump from... QA, so you were QA at Irrational, and then QA at Harmonix, and now you're a designer at Harmonix. So how, how did that work, going from QA to design? So this is, I guess, kind of advice for people who are already in QA and looking to make that, <laughs> that transition. Yeah, I guess, I mean, if, you're, if, you've, if you've gotten into QA because you know you want to be in the industry, but you're not quite sure what you want to do, it's sort of helpful hints like, okay, you got your foot in the door, 
now what? What do you do next? Because we have some people here who who just love QA and they stay in QA and that's what they do. And we have some people like you who, yeah, and they're amazing at it. And then we have some people like you who get get their feet wet with QA, get a handle on the industry, get a handle on what they like, and then go on to other things like design. I'm lucky enough to be here at Harmonix where they're really, really good about making sure people are where they want to be. A lot of our production staff has moved up out of QA, and a lot of guys on the community team are actually used to be in QA too. Basically, I just made sure that the designers knew that it was something I was interested in, asked them questions, not just to show them that I was interested, but because I really did want to know how like different parts of the game worked, and then eventually, when an internship opened up in opened up in in the department, I applied for it. I filled out like this big questionnaire and just talked to the designers and had to go through like four interviews to get it. You know, it, it was really lucky that I did because I really love what I'm doing. But what we look for is uh, the ability to analyze a game, like figure out why it's fun and what makes it fun, and then express that really clearly. Just like sort of break down why your favorite game is your favorite game and like what specific parts of the design make it so good. And that's that's really like what people are looking for when they hire designers. Very cool. Thank you very much, Casey Malone. Yay! Yay, Fart Police. <laughs> are you guys ending everything with Fart Police? Hey, what's up? Tim here. Uh, I'm here with Keith from Anarchy Club. Keith, what's on your desk? All kinds of shit. <laughs> That's right. Tell me about it. All right. Um, basically, I've got a random collection of stuff that I've collected through the years that have been gifts um, and or stolen from coworkers and places I've been on tour. Uh, and it all somehow ends up on my desk at some point. One of my personal favorites is this... Uh, Misfits air freshener I bought because nothing says punk rock integrity like an officially licensed Misfits air freshener. Complete with mustache. Yeah, I put a mustache on it. It's got a, it's got a little fuzzy mustache on it. I also have a um, Kung Fu Hustle lollipop, unbroken. I've got a Judy Nails skateboard that I was given as a prize from Harmonix for being a troublemaker way back when in the days when we first developed GH1. I've got a Monkey King Chinese statue ready to kick ass on anybody who questions my word while they're at my desk. They won't with that statue. <laughs> He's just full of kicking. Some people have tried and they just go home with lumps on their heads. I've got a first series Living Dead doll. Actually, let me read the box because it's kind of awesome. Her name is Sin and it says, the little devil has a pitchfork she uses. She gives you a poke instead of little bruises and uh, she comes in a cute little casket. It's unopened too. It's also sealed. I'm a nerd collector of stuff. I have lots of toys and half of them are sealed. Unsealed, I have my gallery of kicking game characters, action figures. I've got the guy from Dead Space, Kratos, Raziel from Soul Weaver, one of my personal all-time favorite video game characters ever. Um, you get to love a vampire that kills other vampires. I have also got the guy from Assassin's Creed 1, a 1966 authentic Batman Corgi toy. That's a Batmobile that actually has a switchblade in it. That was the sound of the blade coming out. You just got cut. <laughs> By Batman. A human skull cast from cement. That's live cement. <laughs> yeah, that's live cement. We're not faking it. Helen from Vagiant gave me this amazing framed Bruce Lee poster that is an advertisement for the Green Hornet TV series when it was released as an edited into a film in Japan. Because uh, And it's hilarious because it came on the 60s, but it was released in, after Bruce Lee died in the 70s and where he was a sidekick character in the show on the poster. It's basically like, Bruce Lee! And some other guy is the Green Hornet. 
hidden in the back. Also, one of my favorites is a, yes again, sealed Sid Vicious action figure. Pretty freaking awesome, complete with like um, a base and a sneer. And um, another one of my pride and joys is a, the Rob Deerdeck limited edition Emo Chris Wild Grinders skateboard doll. It's pretty awesome. He's so emotional. He wears a scarf. <laughs> but um, my Shaw Brothers Kung Fu movie calendar with Gordon Liu from the 36 Chambers of Shaolin. Nice. That's pretty fresh. My, my Kung Fu teacher gave me that. And then I get this Foxy Lady shirt. And it's from my friend's bachelor party where um, they had this contest where the strippers were like, whoever can whistle the loudest gets a free shirt. And as everybody here, there's laughter breaking out behind us because everybody here in the entire company knows that I'm the loudest ghetto whistler in the company and I don't know how many of you have ever been to a strip club but they're pretty freaking loud and I whistled so loud that the whole place went quiet and the girl was like I gotta come down and hand this to you personally and all these other guys were just gonna like jealous and sad and now I'm giving the shirt away so if someone wants it contact us um, <laughs> don't worry Keith is not going to whistle into this microphone yeah exactly it'd be very bad I, I can't afford to fix it oh also this is kind of like a cute thing is I have dried flowers from when my wife proposed to me what? plus it's cool to have dead flowers on your desk they still actually look beautiful oh thanks yeah you guys may have noticed I have extreme ADHD uh, and, oh rise to honor with Jet Li this is so awesome this game is so rad because you can actually play as Wang Fei Hung which is the character he plays in all the Once Upon a Time in China games, but also is like a real-life dude who kicks like Google him. This is a commemorative statuette of Elvis singing to a hound dog on um, the Ed Sullivan Show. I actually, someone gave this to me as a gift. It was a Christmas ornament, but I keep it on my desk because it commemorates the actual moment when Elvis sold out. There, there you have it, folks. <laughs> it's forever remembered in plastic with a little happy hound dog wearing a top hat, no less. We also have one of those bandmates. I have a prototype bandmate that's, like, taller, and that's a girl playing a guitar, and she's back-looking, and she also is no color. She's all white. Yes, unpainted, <laughs> uncolorized. I have Batman and the Joker as limited... Uh, Edition promo Lego, guys. They can duke it out. I'll make it so you can hear them. Oh, to jock the Joker's head oh. off. Batman kicked the Joker. Oh, and my guns. See, most people have one Nerf gun. I have two because I go like Chow and Fat John Woo style when someone needs to regulate so I can kill twice as many people with, with styrofoam darts. In half the time. Yeah, exactly. That's how I roll. And I can even like click them off of each other so I can get them to reload automatically. And I've got an accuracy to within three inches from 25 feet. So it's pretty cool. People fear the wrath of my sponge darts. Well, right. thanks for telling me what's on your desk. Alright, thanks, Keith. Yep, thank you for having me. And, uh, rock out! Hey everyone, welcome to this week's DLC Roundtable. There's a bunch of us gathered here and we're going to tell you about this week's amazing tracks. Yay! Yay! <laughs> if you don't know us by now, read a book. About us? The, the best books in life haven't been written. Would you like to know what we have this week? Yes. Heather, Heather, please tell us what's in store next week. This week we have a Slipknot 3-pack with Duality, Psychosocial, and Sulfur. 
A single from the band Lights Resolve, Dreaming of Love is that track, and two Simon and Garfunkel tracks, I Am a Rock and The Sounds of Silence. Wow. Yeah. That's an eclectic week. It sure is. It reminds me of the Jimmy Buffett uh, Disturbed pack that we put out. That was one of our best weeks. People loved that week. I do, I do think it's definitely, when you provide them two completely disparate, or I guess three completely disparate acts, you know, there's something for most people there. Yeah. I like, I like this week a lot. I think it's a good mix, and I think it balances out some of the things we've been hearing people on the forums ask for. I know there are a lot of self-proclaimed maggots who populate the rockband.com forums who are asking for more Slipknot, and we get a lot of write-ins for kind of older stuff, more mellow stuff, and that's where Simon and Garfunkel come in. And then um, I also, I think the Lights Resolve song is an amazing track. It's really fun to play. It's short and sweet, really tough on vocals, so that's going to be fun. And um, I think that'll just be a great band to introduce some of our musical, more musically-minded friends to. Uh, I would like to make the offer of a shiny new rock band shirt and a crisp $5 bill to the first person to play Sounds of Silence for me with tears streaming down their face (laughs) because it is such a sad, sad song. It's so good. Because I Am a Rock is, is such an upbeat song. Well, as well. Yeah, it's a little bit. Well, I mean, it's not like it's an upbeat song. I'm not saying that. But I mean, on the continuum of depressing Simon and Garfunkel songs, I think Sounds of Silence is towards the lower end there. That's what makes them so good. I know. Yeah. I know. I'm so excited for those two tracks. Yeah. I'm excited next time we go on the road with the game, we can do some Garfunkling. Yes. <laughs> yes. I love how you just, uh, you turn that into a verb. Yeah. Garfunkling. Yeah. I can't take the credit. I think Flight of the Concords did it first. Oh, well, but in any case. Pope is very good at verbing. Putting words. it into the vernacular. I will say for the Slipknot tracks, um, if you're not really a Slipknot fan, but you're kind of interested in the DLC in general, uh, Sulfur is a little bit tricky on Vox. It's only like a tier three, but it's still a little bit melodic and kind of fun and involves some yelling. Um, for guitar players, there's a lot of demon heads. and. Duality, I will challenge anyone to try to do the song an expert bass with upstrums only because it gets pretty fast. Do they get a crisp $5 bill? (laughs) You will get a shiny penny. (laughs) Free maggots. Yeah, I'll give you some free maggots. But then we have to carry maggots around at every event we do from now on. No, just Sally. You don't already? Just me. I'm sure. (laughs) That's it for this week. Better than one star. Title of this episode. Bye. 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 Bye.